welcome to I Made a Huge Mistake, an Arrested Development podcast. I am your host, Darren, and today we're going to be talking about the final episode ever of the show Arrested Development, probably. Uh, I don't see them coming back for season six at this point, to be honest with you, um, <laughs> which is called The Fallout. Um, it aired along with all the other episodes uh, on the 15th of March 2019, it's written, of course, by Mitch Hurwitz and directed by Troy Miller. Um, and in a way, it is not just the final episode, but the final episodes, as this is an almost 44-minute episode, which makes it roughly two normal-sized episodes. Uh, the first half of it is mostly concerned with the end of the trial. Uh, weirdly enough, it has two recaps in it that recap both the storyline about the trial so far of Buster Bluth, and then also recap the storyline with the gay mafia and the disposal of a body, which obviously links into Buster Bluth and his trial. Um, and then obviously also links into Job and Buster talking about the body-shaped thing that he discarded for him. Um, Dusty and Michael go to the cottage and find some VHS tapes, um, which <laughs> are labelled family evidence. Um, instead of family memories um, and then uh, we get a couple of the Bluth boys being questioned on the stand uh, Dusty questions Job in probably the kind of the weirdest sequence <laughs> where Job keeps saying I'll allow it and you know objection and overruled <laughs> and he's the one who's like saying those things it's kind of weird um and then of course michael gets questioned by lucille or he questions lucille but it turns into the other the other way around and michael thinks that he is the murderer um and of course that leads to a mistrial um and then once the mistrial is over because of course two brothers cannot be charged for the same crime um we then go to the unveiling of the wall uh, or should i say just a section of the wall um, uh, and within that, um, you know, we have Buster and Job um, using the gay mafia for their uh, concrete pouring skills, which obviously they've already demonstrated with Tony Wonder. Um, and we have a fight between George Michael and Michael because while Job is inside the wall doing his magic trick, he is incapacitated as president. Uh, and then when Michael knocks out George Michael, he's incapacitated as president. And while they're both incapacitated, the Chinese buy fake block. Um, Tony Wonder reappears because obviously he was not dead um, and Michael remembers what happened on the night of Cinco de Cuatro um, and then of course we get the return of Lindsay um, along with Michael and George uh, Michael driving off in the stair car finally escaping the family while everybody says Michael will be back um, and then of course we find out where Lucille 2 is in the on the next um so there's a lot of episode here to talk about nay i mean it's like it is literally kind of two episodes and i remember when the episode order was originally announced for season five it was said it was going to be 17 episodes uh, but then obviously it was announced as eight and eight and so people were curious as to where that 17th episode went and the answer is it's here they've just put it onto the end of episode 16 and just called it episode 16 um you know and i think it is it is kind of obvious because it's so neatly divided almost exactly at the halfway point we get the mistrial and then we move on to all of the stuff about the the, the unveiling of the wall and the selling of fate block um and also there's a wonderful gag where we see a rope ladder is thrown over the wall and that is how job is going to climb over the wall and <laughs> lucille the easy part. and yeah <laughs> And Lu Lucille and, um, and uh, you know, um, uh, George Sr. are like, yeah, it's, it seems like a very a glaring floor that you can just climb over it using a rope ladder. <laughs> so 
which of course feels like a jab at a certain political person and their obsession over walls. Um, yeah, but let's deal with the end of the trial and everything basically being wrapped up really quickly uh, with the unveiling of the tapes, um, which bring into, uh, they kind of take us back to uh, Tobias uh, being a trainee doctor and how he is, um, t he's trying to convince Buster that Buster um, pushed um, Mimi down the stairs. But he keeps saying, no, no, don't say that. Say that Lucille did it. And he's like, no, no, Lucille did it. But say you did it because nothing will happen to you because you're just a little boy. And that is what Buster kind of, even as an adult, repeats back. You know, like, um, nothing will happen to me because I was just a little boy. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I find all this stuff with Mimi to be kind of like a little weird because obviously the whole point of uh, Buster being put on trial was for the murder of Lucille too. And we get precious little Lucille too until the final minutes. Uh, which I kind of understand because they're setting it up for a particular joke. Um, but at the same time, I feel like the whole trial is kind of a, a much ado about nothing. Because like the in the end, it's like they're now they're talking about the murder of Lucille's mother and not Lucille too. And I don't know. There's a nice little gag where um, the questioning of um, Job, um, where he's talking about, you know, a good assistant will never reveal a trick and all this kind of stuff. And the, the narrator says, you know, the brothers, you know, the, the, a rift had grown between the brothers. And then when, um, you know, Michael's being questioned by Lucille, um, the narrator then says the brother's rift has been healed. Um, and it just happens within the space of like, you know, an hour within the courtroom that they get mad at each other and then um, get back. And also, the, uh, as with like kind of, uh, you know, one of the earlier episodes in the first batch where Michael was kind of back and forth between various locations, there seems to be a lot of people visiting Buster in the kind of the, the, the room, uh, kind of talking to him about what's going on in the trial. Um, there's a little bit of we get our final probably ever no touching um, shouted Aww. out there. Yeah. <laughs> And but there's a lot of like, you know, you have Buster and Michael talking at length and then you have Job and Buster talking at length and then you have Dusty questioning Job and then you have Michael questioning Lucille. And it's it all feels, um, I don't know, I want to say perfunctory. It feels like they're trying to get it out of the way so that all this trial is wrapped up quickly. Uh, but at the same time, it takes a bit of a circuitous route with Michael having to go to John Beard. Um, and then, of course, John Beard reveals that Michael was given a forget me now. Um, because of the footage from the model home for the, um, you know, to catch a, a, a predator. Um, and and so it's, I don't know, it, it feels like it's kind of trying to wrap a bunch of stuff up. And at the same time, aside from the stuff with Job, where Dusty's like asking him questions and he's like, you know, do you think we'll be friends after this? And he's like, I'll allow it. Aside from all that kind of like asides of the I'll allow it and objections, I think all the stuff with the tapes and the kind of the stuff between Buster and Michael and Buster and Job, I don't think there's a huge amount of jokes in that. I think it's just a lot of kind of plot. I agree, unfortunately. The only joke I really liked is when Michael's getting the tapes and he says, that's my precious family evidence. But uh, I, I had a question about Mimi, though. The, uh, you know... Lucille's mother. Yeah. Didn't she die in the other seasons when they were talking about how how uh she's 90 pounds. Remember like Lucille was going to go see her and then she like just tried pesto but she was actually already dead. Like Yeah, she's on a what? cruise. Yeah. How did how did that happen? Is that a different person? What, what, what I, happened there? I think um going by the ages, I I don't I don't, I don't know if that is I don't know. I th some people have attempted to explain it online, but I think 
um, that that like obviously that was Nana. Um, who? Oh, Nana. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that like they, they were calling they were all calling her Nana, but I think uh, the way I figured it out is that Mimi is her mother and Nana is Mimi's mother, and she was just very wow. old. Wow. Yeah. She obviously was long lived. Um, she just tried. Pestle, How old was obviously. she? Yeah, she was the ninety something, she was, right? Yeah, she was in her eighties, and I think this is that's when Lucille is meant to be in her late fifties, I think. Um, uh, so I don't know. The, the math would kind of work out on it. Um, she could have been a young mother. Um, and they'd, Mimi, they'd have to both be really young mothers. Yeah, huh? Mimi, I guess Mimi was a young mother because she had a Lindsay. Well, <laughs> yes, uh, yeah. A joke that is revealed in the opening credits is. As the narration is going on about, you know, the story of a, you know, a son who had to do this and that, uh, instead of saying his twin sister, it says his aunt when uh, when Lindsay comes up. So that is a joke that kind of reveals something that comes up in the trial that happens towards the end of the episode. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's nice that they've kind of changed it um, to kind of to, to kind of say that. Um, but yeah. The kind of um, yeah, I, I don't know. Like the trial stuff is. I mean, I like I like the joke about the two brothers can't be charged for the same crime, um, you know, which is similar to the um, they can't arrest a husband and wife for the same crime, which George Senior heard about. Except this time, it's coming from uh, Lucille. Although it doesn't feel like Lucille would be that like dumb. Like George Senior, <laughs> I can kind of understand falling for that, but I can't understand Lucille kind of saying that. It kind of doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, and, and they, double jeopardy laws wouldn't even apply because it was a mistrial anyway. So, like, they could just charge yeah. them with the same crime. They could charge the same person with the same crime in this case. Yeah, which is, I think, what's probably going to happen. Would Would there ever be a season six? Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, kind of the first half. Like I say, you know, we uh, weirdly enough we have two kind of like recaps of what's been happening in the season. Uh, which I guess was handy for me because this is you know an episode I watched in isolation today. Um, but all the stuff from the gay mafia had kind of already happened in previous episodes uh, more than once. Um, you know, we ha- the gay mafia have threatened Job because obviously they're training to be in Guys and Dolls. And so they threatened him in the style of like a 30s mobsters. Um, but like th- that's how Job kind of pays off the gay mafia is by extending the run of Guys and Dolls, <laughs> like, which mm-hmm. is, you know, so it's I don't know. And that, it, it feels like I mean, I like the questioning that Dusty does just because of the kind of the weird interactions between him and Job. And I like how quickly Michael starts questioning Lucille. And then, of course, she says, well, where were you on the night of the murder? And then he kind of doesn't remember <laughs> and, then, and so it's and then he realized then he starts kind of talking to himself um, and then, of course, the narrator says, and that's how Michael a few good manned himself um, as the kind of murderer. Um, and I, I like, like when his... he's doing that. He says, uh, he's, he says, I went to go offer to sleep with Lucille, too, to pay off my seven hundred thousand dollar debt. And then Buster says, humble brag, which is a <laughs> reference to uh, Harris Whittles, the late Harris Whittles and his uh, Twitter handle. Yeah. Excellent and... podcaster. And I, I like as well how, like, you know, Michael, as he's questioning, Lucille's like, stay on topic. Like, she's like constantly trying to... Because obviously she had this plan and Michael's ruining it by just thinking out loud. Um, and then, of course, once he finishes and he's like, you know, I'm confessing to this murder, Lottie Dottie gets up and she's like, I object? <laughs> like, she doesn't want him to confess to it because now it, like, you know, obviously it opens up, it, you know, it becomes a mistrial because... You know, if someone else confesses to the crime, effectively, you've kind of muddied the waters for the the whole thing. So it's it's kind of funny that, you know, like she objects to him confessing to the murder. And then Michael just kind of walks off out of the courtroom 
Um, and then, you know, basically that's it. The trial is over. Um, which Would that I- work in real life if you just if you got someone else to confess to it during the trial and then and then they like had a mistrial, but then when they tried to convict that person, they couldn't because they didn't do it. <laughs> so they couldn't find any evidence, and the person like rejects their thing. Funny enough, I would think the, not. <laughs> there have been ep- there have been episodes of there was I think there was an episode of Law and Order where someone is on trial for murder, but during the questioning of a different witness, they confess to the, to the murder, but the judge won't declare a mistrial, so they have to go ahead and render a verdict on this person they know is innocent. Because the judge won't give a mistrial. Mm. And so they end up convicting this person and then the judge directs them to get like life, but they can't get a mistrial out of this judge. And so obviously Jack McCoy is like super annoyed and because basically they know who the murderer is. But now if they try and charge the murderer to get the other person out of, you know, to have the other person be come out of prison, they're not sure that they'll even get that trial to work because the other person you know, somebody else then also comes forward and confesses in between. And it's like, well, now they don't know who's done it. Um, I, f- I would feel that forensics would clear all this up. But, you know, in the world of law and order, everybody confessing to a murder makes it hard to figure out who the actual murderer is. Um, Interesting. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a kind of... it's a, Obviously, it's just there to kind of tie all these loose ends up, which basically started at... I mean, kind of basically the start of season four. The whole thing with Cinco is kind of tied up here with after Lucille 2 went missing you know they set all they set up the idea that this season would be about the trial for Buster uh, most of it wasn't but you know they at least finish off the trial and kind of round it all off um, and then we basically kind of jump to the unveiling of the wall and it's sponsored by Fate Block uh, I think it says on the side of a Fate Block production <laughs> um, and you know we 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 have I don't know I like this kind of whole wall thing. Um, I I think, obviously, you know, the whole kind of satire about the wall uh, feels a little bit played out now. Uh, But at the time, it was a little bit more kind of on the nose and a bit more prescient about, you know, various political goings on in America. Mm -hmm. Um, And the fact that the Chinese are going to buy the wall, uh, you know, they're making somebody else pay for it. Uh, Obviously, that is, you know, a key element of this whole story. Um, But I I like like there's a... uh, Tobias is a paid protester, and he's he he works for the company Use Less, yes. which obviously just reads as I want <laughs> as that shirt. Useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's one of those things where like if you say the company name Use Less out loud, it doesn't sound that bad. But if you say you know useless, you know, I, like reading it, it, it looks worse than it is. Right. Um, but yeah, there's also a reference like um, that I, I <laughs> where. Um, they're talking about the wall, and they say, "If we build it, they won't come," which is like, a, <laughs> which is like a, a kind of a Field of Dreams reference, but with the opposite. Um, but, you know, like they're saying the wall is going to be so good that you know, once they build it, it'll be a deterrent. Is that again? These real? are all kind of very political. Because like maybe he says that's What's clever. That? that is pretty clever. <laughs> I'm surprised that I haven't heard that in real life. Before. Yeah. Well, if we build it, they won't come. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that is the idea of these measures, isn't it? Yeah, is yeah. To be a deterrent. So yeah, it's a. But I, I, what I like about it is that, that you know, immediately they like throw a rope ladder over to do the trick, and it immediately undermines the whole thing. It's like such a great, and the fact that obviously the game mafia they were kind of hurt uh, earlier in the season that um, Job wasn't using them for the uh, for the poor, um, like you know for the concrete poor, and so he's been threatened by them, and now they have to use him. And so when they talk about the concrete, they they say you know poured by. Um, I can't remember the name of the company oh, now. I think it's like something... Wet, gay, quick hard cement. <laughs> That's it, yeah. Wet... 
yeah. So I, I like how he's being forced to kind of use that. But yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I like, uh, I like it that, uh, that, you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, it's a nice way to kind of tie that story into this whole wall thing, um, you know. And we've obviously seen a lot of this whole gay mafia storyline where they keep threatening Job to do stuff, and um, you know, he's only got to be gay for seven years, and then they'll let him go back to being straight. No one H out. Um, but yeah, and I, I like as well how. Um, he's, but instead of doing that, he's actually come up with an idea, which is he's going to do a different trick that will turn him straight. And while he's in the wall, you can hear him going, "Oh, my references are becoming more basic." And oh, I, like I he, he kind of just keeps, yeah, yeah, he keeps he keeps kind of making references to being straight while he's in the middle of the wall, while he's being heard over the kind of loudspeaker. Um, and I, I just kind of like how how kind of like silly that is that like as he goes through the wall, he becomes straight. Um, and when he's on the other side, he says, and, I'm still gay, so of course I'm not very good with tools when he's like trying to open up the plywood <laughs> and stuff, all these stereotypes. One yeah. line that I really love, though, is uh, Buster, when he's talking to, to Lucille, he, uh, he says, I didn't expect to see you here. And she says, why wouldn't I be here? And he says, no, you would. I wouldn't. <laughs> That's like a really Futurama level like syntax joke. <laughs> like, you didn't expect to be seeing them, but, but like it's like outside of yourself when you're saying it. And then, of course, he goes, I bet you didn't expect to be seeing me back there. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I expect to see you back there. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's what Job says yeah. as he walks back. Yeah, Job comes up. And, and, and then, of course, he goes to Lucille, I bet you didn't expect to see me back there. <laughs> he just keeps Some writer of... was so proud of that, and I, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I'm guessing that writer was Mitch Hurwitz, because that feels like a lot of Mitch Hurwitz kind of uh, wordplay. Um, that's true. Well, yeah. speaking of that, too, like in the last episode or no, during the, the first part of this episode, when Buster says, that's right, I'm Mr. Trial. And I was like, that's not <laughs> funny. What What's this that? But then later on, he's wearing the sash that says Miss Trial. <laughs> <laughs> like, and I'm like, oh, there's the joke. That's funny. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's yeah. I, I, that's, I like the sash as well. I just love that the kind of it's all sashes and and um, and banners like that's that seems to be what this family uh, kind of runs on. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I kind of, I kind of like how, um, uh, you know, we get, we get to Tobias talking about his family. Um, this storyline obviously has kind of plagued this season with uh, the whole of, um, uh, you know, Murphy Brown and uh, and then the, obviously the the bringing back debris. Um, and he he kind of talks about how you know they had to sleep in a sleeping bag together, and he's like, well, you know, that's why you don't let your son and your girlfriend sleep in a sleeping bag together. <laughs> um, and then he goes, funny story, they left me. <laughs> and, he just, and that's it that's like, and that's the whole story and I just love how he kind of they, they just leave like a ton of silence and everyone's like looking at each other waiting for Tobias to kind of say something else and he doesn't he just stops at that point he's like they've left me um, uh, I also love that he's a paid protester for $3 a day in like a free coffee um, like his, his, his like price is so low um, by his daughter yeah from, from maybe as well that's yeah um and then i mean my favorite thing probably in this episode uh is the wonderful pun where um as as george michael takes off his um his um, baseball cap which obviously is a um a sign that he's a member of the howard family uh famous for wearing their baseball caps of course um he oh, and he's got his kind of dyed red hair he says to his father how would you like me now um, how would you like me now? And I, I just love it's such a it's such a stupid joke, but the fact that instead of saying how you like me now, he says how would you like me now? Oh. And it's, then I like when he says uh, the one way that you're similar to, to you know my new father is you could both use a hit. 
and, uh, <laughs> that's when like John Howard comes in and says, "I think that's when he crossed a line." You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, before Solo came out too, right? <laughs> <clears throat> well, this was what, what was this around oh, the time yeah. of in the in the heart of the seal, whatever that was. Um, yeah, and I do, I do kind of like how you know we we finally get a George Michael and Michael fighting. Obviously, earlier in the season they had a, an almost fight that ended up on a website um, because obviously they've both been in training. Um, and now they actually do a. This is a, it's funny because obviously the fact that they are actually fighting is clearly you could tell it's kind of being staged, but I think it's funny that like over the whole course of the season they've kind of disagreed over so many things that you think that this is the same as the end of the previous season when obviously george michael did just punch his father um or uh, the one where george uh or where the, the one when michael job and buster all fight too outside the courthouse it yes me of that. yeah and it, and it, it is kind of a little bit like boy fights uh the way they start fighting like it matches some of the stuff that you've seen in the previous kind of like boy fights videos um and I like how, like, the Chinese, obviously, you know, they're big on family. And so the fact that this family are fighting, <laughs> like, they don't want to buy the wall anymore. Um, but they will take fate block. Um, and I, I, it's, one, it's what's really nice about this episode, uh, the second half at least, is once the Chinese buy, you know, uh, fate block, all the family kind of come together and they're like, did they buy it? And they're like, yes, they did. And obviously that has a double meaning because did they buy the fake fight and the magic trick? And, you know, like everything is being staged just to kind of get the Chinese to take fate block off their hands. Um, and I like how, you know, the whole family has kind of come together, except some of them don't realize what was going on. Um, but at the very least, you know, like most of the family understand what they were kind of participating in. Um, I think Tobias is the only one who doesn't really kind of understand what's happening because he wasn't in on it because obviously he's not a member of the family. Um, but this kind of doesn't make sense, this plot point, right? Because the Chinese uh, gave them $3 million, right? Yes. And then they, and they were supposed to give it back, but they didn't owe them that money. They were just giving it to him. So it was like a custom that they should give it back or like they expected it. Otherwise they're going to be really mad. Don't you think they won't also be mad when they realize they've bought a company? They were tricked into buying a company that doesn't exist. Won't they also be just as mad as if they hadn't returned the $3 million? Because either way, it's not illegal. Like, it wasn't like they literally owed them that money. They, like, it was like a, like, to save face and to, like, uh, make a better relationship. But, but they're going to be really mad once this happens. <laughs> well, they are probably going to be mildly perturbed. But here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think that the Chinese will admit that they've been ripped off. Because that ah. would be too embarrassing. And that is what the, that's what the Blues are counting on. They're counting on the fact that basically if the Chinese admit that they've bought a company that's worth nothing, then they will have to try and save face again and they're not going to be able to with the Blues. And so they'll probably just leave it alone with the Blues because there's nothing they can do now. They, you know, Effectively, they've kind of just embarrassed themselves and shown themselves to be incompetent at business. And uh, you know, so I think that's what they're kind of relying on, the fact that the Chinese won't then try and bring it back up. Um, okay you know Fair. so um we also get some nice little kind of um uh, i don't know like uh, there's a when we see the kind of guys and dolls thing um there's a number of people who are on there including officer taylor cindy light balloon ice uh argyle <laughs> Ostero, of course uh, the head of the gay mafia uh, officer carter uh james allen spangler lieutenant toddler and of course the two tough guys that threaten joe <laughs> are tough guy <laughs> one and two um so and i like as well how the, the gay mafia like buying them off is quite easy just use their concrete for the wall and give them extended run of guys and dolls which is now you know the, the, the theater they're playing at is now a a bluth company a lucille 
you know, an Ostero Bluth company company. Um, so they now own that theatre, <laughs> which again is kind of Joe buying yet another business. Uh, they couldn't buying... do it at the Tobias Is Queen Mary. No, no, unfortunately not. That was uh, that was sold off quite a while ago. Um, yeah. But yeah, and I also like the to entrap a local predator. Uh, of course, you know the callback to that with the you know with uh, John Beard, um, and I like how John Beard kind of recognizes um, um, you know um, Michael Bluth, but obviously he's had no interactions with Michael in the entire run of the show. He's had interactions with Tobias and he's had interactions with Job and like he's had interactions with other people, but not Michael. So it's nice for him to kind of be like, oh, do I know you? And he's like, no. And then, of course, he's like, oh, yeah, I do. Because, you know, from in Trapper Local and Pret to the he's like, we used your house. And then that's when he reveals it to Michael. Um, and we finally find out what happened on Cinco with Michael. He did the chicken dance. Um, <laughs> and this is the final member of the family to do the chicken dance. Um, up until this point, Michael has made chicken noises, but he's never done a dance. But literally everybody else in the family has done a chicken dance before this moment. And we see that it went badly because, of course, he did a chicken dance in front of Lucille 2 on the top of the stair car. And then he slipped and fell down the stair car. And that was the last he saw of Lucille 2 before, of course, then, you know, he returned to the house. He saw Tony Wonder and Job and then he was given the forget me now. Um, and, you know, that's that's it. That's like that's the mystery solved um, and then we find out where Lucille 2 is. Um, and I like here that the magic the magic trick is, um, you know, Job is going to walk through the wall and um, emerge from the other side. They remove the um, uh, the wooden frame from around the, where the concrete has been poured. And then the two people who are holding sledgehammers turn out to be Job and Tony Wonder. And I must say that is like, that's a nice trick. Like, I, I, it's kind of easy to figure out how it was done because obviously when Job kind of is in the booth on the one side and he vanishes, obviously all he's done is put on a jumpsuit and walked around to the other side of the wall. And then obviously Tony Wonder has joined him. Uh, but I, I kind of just like how simple the trick is and how like kind of they reveal it and, you know, the final countdown plays and it like it's one of the few times where Job has done a trick that actually worked and he didn't reveal how it was done. And it's kind of nice that this is the final trick we'll see of the season, and and that's that's he manages to pull it off. Um, well, the trick for Tony Wonder is really for the audience because very few, if any, of the people in the this audience watching this trick have knew that Tony Wonder disappeared during the last <laughs> trick. Like that was a parade. Yeah, but for us, it's really nice. Although, you know, that was one of the big mysteries for the. I don't know for the season too. Is like where's Lindsay? Where's Tony? Where's Lucille? And like now we're undoing yeah. a bunch of them. I, I also like in Tobias's story where he says, um, you know, that's why you don't put your girlfriend in the same sleeping bag with your son, um, which, of course, is one of those, you know, that's why you don't, you know, that's why you always leave a note. Um, so he learned a lesson. Little, yeah. yeah, he learned a lesson the hard way. Um, I also like as well how we get a bit of a flashback to him deciding to get have them share a sleeping bag as well. And we kind of see the setup for it. Um, so, you know, we kind of see the setup and payoff for that story. Um, and obviously maybe brings back her Rebel Alley wig, um, you know, that she's had uh, a few times um, and that her mother has also worn throughout the series. And that, you know, that's that's what we think, you know, is Rebel Alley, but it turns out it is maybe. Again, it's weird because this has like a bit of a kind of like Ocean's Eleven kind of payoff thing where everybody is in on the con, um, apart from <laughs> the Chinese, obviously. Um, and then, you know, we we get one last kind of reveal in the on the next 
Um, as Michael and George Michael kind of just drive off in the stair car, uh, again, something that they've done before in an attempt to get away from this family, uh, Lindsay reveals herself to be one of the protesters, and she confirms to Tobias she was the protester who kicked him um, in the nuts. <laughs> Which I, I like that she kind of took the opportunity in the middle of a, a protest melee to just kick her husband while he was down. Um, and, of course, she's willing to take him back and have him be part of her family again. Uh, maybe reluctantly comes in for a hug. Uh, the family are insistent that Michael always comes back. Something which, of course, uh, you know, was something of a running joke in the whole series, but particularly the first half of this season. Um, and then we get to the on the next. And Buster is, you know, he, he found a mannequin, apparently, and put on... Um, uh, the Job mask. I don't know why they put the Job mask on. That's the funny thing. Like, I guess obviously they had the Job and the Tony Wonder masks um, from the previous season, and that's how Tony Wonder did some of his gags, where he would appear as somebody would wear a Tony Wonder mask and stand somewhere, mm-hmm. and then he would, you know. So that again, that's a nice, that's a nice trick. But obviously, the idea is that the concrete would be poured over this mannequin that would have Job's face, and through the concrete, you would be able to see Job's face as the mask. I guess that's the idea, but instead it just looks like a face. Um, it doesn't, right. like, you can't tell. Weird. Yeah. Um, and so obviously, you know, this is where um, uh, Buster is reluctant for them to break the concrete because he says, you know, a magician doesn't reveal his tricks. But then, of course, jo- Job is like, yeah, but everybody here knows what the trick was. You know, like you put a mannequin in the concrete and then I emerged out the other side. Like everyone knows the trick, so there's nothing to be revealed. Uh, and then, of course, we find out the reason why uh, Buster did not want the concrete to be broken, because instead of getting a mannequin, um, he got what looks like Judy Garland, uh, which is kind of the <laughs> oh, most yeah. the most explicit kind of um, kind of fourth wall breaking. Um, and of course, we are we don't actually see it, but we just see the kind of the black spiky hair. Um, uh, as the body is lying on the ground and uh, the stair car is in the distance and uh, we f- we find out as all of the different family members look at it that it looks like that is Lucille too um, and then of course everyone looks at Buster and he's like okay I killed her <laughs> and in the final moments it just kind of turns Buster into like this kind of psychopath what's interesting is during the trial he's like you know obviously lucille hid from him the fact that he killed um mimi except of course he didn't kill mimi and he's like imagine if i had killed mimi how i would have turned out and of course we all know that buster turned out terrible anyway so the fact that they've kind of (laughs) they've kind of got this thing where um you know it's revealed that he actually did murder lucille too after they've had the mistrial um, I guess the idea is maybe that with the mistrial, they might not be able to charge him. But I think because the body is now there, this kind of... I mean, also, you know, the stair car, we don't know how involved it was in the actual murder. Obviously, all Buster did, you know, in terms of when he disposed of a body-shaped thing was... Th- he did actually throw a mannequin into the sea. Um, but here, you know, we actually revealed that he did kill Lucille. So we, st- it's still one mystery that they did not resolve. They kind of resolved it. You know, there's her body, but they didn't resolve how um, she was killed by Buster. Or where he was keeping her body this whole time instead of just disposing of it like he did the other <laughs> thing. Like, why yeah. didn't he just put it a different part of the concrete so that it would get concrete poured all on it, not only partially? <laughs> so many things so i mean i i like i like the kind of the double reveal which is that everybody was in on the whole thing with the wall and selling a fate block and then in the reveal that actually nobody knew about lucille's body 
Yeah. Well, I'm really glad that she's actually dead. I mean, I love that character, but if, if then they had three characters missing and two of them just showed up again, if the other one also showed up, I was going to be like, <laughs> what a waste of time. <laughs> and I still kind of feel like it was a waste of time, but I, uh, I, I'm glad that I'm glad that they had, you know, they actually killed someone <laughs> finally. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's, it, I don't know, it's weird because obviously the stuff in the trial ends up revealing that Mimi was killed by someone, but then we mm -hmm. actually find out that Lucille was also killed, so it's it's kind of like two people being revealed as being dead in the same episode, although one of those I don't think we particularly cared that much about. I mean, the previous episodes where they had the uh, the Imagine Entertainment, you know, flashback to, to the childhood of the Bluth kids and Mimi being killed... You know, all of that kind of stuff is, again, some of that's used in this episode with the, the copyright, you know, property of Imagine Entertainment on it. Um, you know, but it's, I don't know, it's it's kind of weird that, you know, we finally reveal that Buster is, you know, a murderer. You know, there have been previous episodes where he's threatened to do stuff to Lucille, um, you know, and when he's had the, you know, when he had his army training and, you know, and when he had his hand and she's like he's more machine than man like there's stuff where it's kind of been hinted that buster is a bit crazy um i'm get. i mean i'm guessing because he still kind of had his you know some of his military stuff uh, there's a possibility he could have done this by accident um he almost then, killed rita yes he did, yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so i i don't know if i think i think obviously at this point it's just going to be a cliffhanger you know i, d I doubt there's going to be a season six so um you know that's that's probably as far as we'll go i mean here's the thing if they did like a film that kind of tied everything up and explained how buster killed lucille and that was the real ending to the season to the whole to the whole series then i'd be happy with that uh, mm -hmm. but i don't know that we can take another 13 episodes of uh, of them kind of dragging it out um you know even the trial mm -hmm. of um you know lucille which kind of dominated most of season four they only kind of did it as little tiny flashbacks here and there and you know it was mostly gags you know, apart from Lucille's episode where we actually saw the kind of cross-examination that got her landed in jail, um, you know, it, it it like they kind of avoided most of the kind of mechanics of a court. Uh, whereas here, they kind of actually went into the mechanics of a courtroom and it, it was not that interesting, you know, like there's a reason why there's not that many courtroom comedies aside from My Cousin Vinny. Uh, I mean... It was, it was no mock trial with Jay Reinhold, that's for sure. No. Um, and of course, even in that case, I think it ended in a mistrial as well. So, <laughs> so. <laughs> and a hung jury. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, uh, I mean, your thoughts uh, on this episode, and you know, uh, overall thoughts on on kind of the the second half of the season, maybe. Yeah, uh, I I didn't love this this episode. I, I thought it had some good details in it, and and I uh, I you know. I was a huge defender of season four, but this season, it just didn't quite come together for me. I think that having so many plot lines that they had to spend so much time on uh, really hurt. And I love Mitch Hurwitz's writing. I even loved Sit Down and Shut Up. I thought it was a really comically dense show. And I, I guess I kind of just wish it had turned out more like a regular TV show with with episodes that pay off. And even if it meant like recasting people, it just becomes kind of awkward so many characters missing and they're always talking about how they're missing you know all, all the time uh I, if they had had everyone committed and could have just come in and they could have written it exactly the way they wanted i bet it would have been a lot funnier i bet they would have been able to get all the dialogue and just write that snappy uh snappy wit but I, I i really feel for them trying to work everything around actor schedules and 
I feel like there's probably a lot of demands coming from the actors too. A lot of those uh, Star Trek movies, you know, like the reason why they didn't turn out that great, not uh, the older ones, is because the actors were able to rewrite the script and demand a certain amount of screen time and stuff like that. And they would have to keep changing the story until it became a mess. And I feel, feel like something like that might have happened here just for practical reasons. Uh, maybe lower budget too. I don't know. But, uh, you know, I always love those first three seasons and I half half love the fourth season. And uh, it feels like probably if it wraps up now uh, that that's probably fine. <laughs> I, I, I wish it I wish it had been a little bit stronger at the, there at the end, though. Yeah. And I think as well, like, uh, to, like ending it with the family saying Michael always comes back. Michael always come back. And it's like, oh, it's Michael. He'll always come back. Like, or it, it feels like they're kind of acknowledging that, you know, they're not coming back. <laughs> and mm-hmm. like, you know, the final shot of Michael driving off in the stair car, it feels like they could have put that in any episode of this season and it would have kind of worked. But um, yeah, I, I mean, the payoff of, okay, Lucille 2 definitely is dead. Um, it, it, like, it doesn't feel like they're trying to set anything up for the next, like, for another season. It just feels like they're concluding, like, the obvious, which is, you know, throughout the whole, st- throughout most of the fifth season, everyone kept saying, Lucille 2's alive, she's here, she's there. But whenever, like, you were given evidence that she was alive, it always turned out to be the blues lying to someone about something. So, oh, yeah. I think we kind of knew that she wasn't alive, but it was just a matter of where was she and um you know the fact that they reveal she's dead in the final kind of two minutes um it's it's kind of i mean i you know i like the kind of judy garland gag and you know i think some of the stuff in season five kind of works um but you know there are so few episodes that kind of self-contained and there's a whole lot more stuff that's about kind of ongoing storylines uh particularly in the first half the first eight episodes there's so much stuff that kind of relies on you having to watch all eight episodes in one go to catch all the jokes uh, it's not quite as satisfying. But the second night, they seem to have kind of calmed that down a little bit and given us a few more kind of self-contained episodes. But uh, overall, as a season, it's definitely the fifth season. Um, you know, in, I would say, ranking and, you know, production. Well, I feel like we said about as much as I possibly can ever say about the show Arrested Development. Um, so... Well, I want to congratulate you on finishing all of... Uh uh you know uh I, i've made a huge mistake what a great accomplishment to actually finish all the all the episodes yeah it's I, it feels weird because i you know i started it like i don't know three and a half years ago or something like that now <laughs> so uh to kind of get to the end is is so kind of uh it's kind of weird you know and i'm kind of as i'm recording these episodes the first episodes i recorded was like almost exactly you know three years ago something like that so uh it's i didn't i didn't really kind of when when i started it you know season five hadn't been announced so uh i kind of figured i would no in fact i think yeah no season five hadn't been announced i knew i'd have to do season four but uh so it's kind of weird to get to the end of it and have an extra season out of nowhere basically like when i started i didn't think season five would happen so uh it's it's kind of weird that as i've been doing this a season has come well you know effectively two halves of season have come and gone while i've been (laughs) um you know recording this uh so it's it's kind of weird to get to finally get to the end of it well if you've watched all those episodes you watch all those first seasons over and over again and you just get them and then you can listen to the podcast in, in your car and kind of like relive all your favorite <laughs> moments I, I don't know if that's quite the value the fifth season will have but it'll have it'll have some value i think it might encourage people to go back and check out some of those jokes they might have missed uh, just watching it you know, again, for the podcast, I, I did catch jokes I hadn't seen before. So they're in there. They they did layer it. Uh, so if, if you want to 
listen or if you didn't finish the season or you want to watch it again there's some value in there you can get it out yeah uh, well then, one final time, let's go to plugs. Is there anything that you wish to plug? Uh, yeah, I do a podcast about The Office. We go through all the episodes. It's called The Off Five with a V. Uh, Google will autocorrect you, but you have to un-autocorrect it. And I also do one about Calvin and Hobbes called Calvin and Hobbes Cast. That one's kind of intermittent, but uh, a little bizarre. But if, if you enjoy that one, I'd appreciate you checking it out. And you can find us on Twitter at uh, Huge Mistake Pod or on Facebook at I Made a Huge Mistake. Uh, thanks for being my guest uh, this final time, uh, Nate. Thank you so much. It was an honor to be on here. And I just want to say I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> and otherwise. Which means goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>